Hello and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host, the movie analyst, and this is a podcast discussion looking over the career of Oscar nominee, fabulous actor, animal admirer and former professional boxer, Mr. Mickey Rourke, Philip Andre Rourke Jr. and Sir Eddie Cook. All three are the same person. On this edition, I'm going to talk about, probably as briefly as I possibly can, on the movie 1941. This is the film where nobody said no to Steven Spielberg. 1941, released in 1979. December 1941, the California coast. The Japanese had just bombed Pearl Harbor. A nation's heroes were on the alert. Look, you guys, a Jap sub! The dummy's right. <laughs> California could be next. Can I shoot you? I don't know! This is war. Oh, God, come A country's honor was at stake. The lives of millions would be protected by a brave few. This is their story. Excuse us, ma'am. From the director of Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The most explosive comedy spectacular ever filmed. What the hell do you people think you're doing? (laughs) Dan Aykroyd. Ned Bates. John Belushi. Lorraine Gaff. Murray Hamilton, Christopher Lee, Tim Matheson, Toshiro Mifune, Warren Oates, Robert Stack, Treat Williams. I can assure you, there will be no bombs dropped here. Boy, that was fun! Universal Pictures and Columbia Pictures present an 18 production of a Steven Spielberg film. 1941. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was John Belushi at the end there, and uh, my goodness, John Belushi, I loved him, and uh, he goes all out in this one, very unhinged. I'll get to the cast. Some of them you just heard. Then uh, it is a galaxy of stars. Uh, I'll talk about. Some of the people that impress me and some of the people that pop up in this movie, there is a shopping list of actors that in that appeared in 1941. Uh, as you know by now, directed by Steven Spielberg, just after he did Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Jaws, of course, and Universal Pictures and Columbia Pictures, both who chipped in to make this big mess, uh, they let him do whatever he wanted to do including make the budget go sky high, I believe. Well, you know, that's what I hear. It was a sky high budget and it became a massive flop. There was booing and hissing in the audience. Not in all parts of the world, I do believe. Some parts of the world enjoyed this movie. It's a mess to me. Uh, But there are fans out there who love, absolutely love this movie. There are two or three versions, I think. uh, Well, I've seen two anyway. I do believe there's a third one out there somewhere. However, uh, this podcast, I'll be 
basically looking over the 146-minute director's cut. That's the DVD special edition that I have. Uh, I also re-watched it streaming on Binge, which is an Australian uh, streaming service, and it's 118 minutes, and it sort of seemed rushed. It was still loud, but I kind of liked the longer version better. It had a stack of uh, fleshed-out scenes in it, a little bit more mayhem and chaos, of course, uh, extra stunts, uh, and some attempted comedy capers, extended comedic moments. And uh, I put in inverted commas, comedic. Despite uh, the really huge amount of actors, big Hollywood names, and soon-to-be big Hollywood names that appear in 1941. It's an endurance test. After 30 minutes, uh, 1941 is practically, I found, unwatchable. The following 30 minutes, well, not really much of an improvement here. Then into another 30-minute challenge that will either make or break you. That's 90 minutes. If you're still watching it, you've done well. And then good luck entering into the final hour. Uh, that is the director's cut because that's how long that one goes for, 146 minutes. The movie really kind of dials up any highs. It has a few memorable moments. The stunts are definitely not done on a small scale. The size and scope of some of these sequences that sometimes actually involve hundreds and hundreds of extras is delirious. You know, the, most of the movies on sound stages and they're crammed with people. It's amazing. But to me, overall, 1941 is like watching money burn on screen, flaming up into ash, just wasting money. And I'll get to Mickey Rourke, uh, obviously, in a few moments because we are tuned in to Mickey Rourke talk. It's a very early role for him, and uh, I'll go into a few details on that in just a few moments. But in case anyone is keen to hear what 1941 is supposedly about, the plot is certainly not coherent. However, it is set in the wake of the Pearl Harbor Torah, Torah, Torah attack. I love Torah, 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 by the way, one of my favourite war movies. A Japanese submarine is lurking out and about on the California coast. Uh, there's a stack of individuals trying to defend or at least make the coast defensible to a potential Japanese military invasion. Uh, there's a bunch of side plots. Zany characters unite to broaden the so-called insanity. It just broadens the you know, unlikable moments and incidences in this film, really. Mostly, they're there to heighten chaotic, inflated, ambitious, racist, loud parts. It's just ongoing, hammering away at your mental state watching this film. It's equally as stupid, I found, as it is ridiculous. Now, that's a statement you don't hear every day because stupid is sometimes not as bad as ridiculous, but this is both. It's a turkey. But on the poster... It says, a comedy spectacular. Now that states to me, you only get a few laughs in this. 
And you know what? You do. I've got to say, there is a couple of times when I smiled. Not so much the second time I watched this movie, but the first time. However, it's certainly not a comedy spectacular, as stated on the movie poster. Mickey Rourke, well, it's an early role. He does not have any dialogue. He plays Reese. He's basically a glorified extra in two or three scenes. Uh, I think it's maybe two scenes in the short version, maybe a third scene in the longer version. It's all blending into one for me. But it's distinct. You can see Mickey. He's there. That's him. He's seen in the background and foreground whilst at the house on the cliff face overlooking the ocean where the military want to set up guns and a watchtower to protect the USA coastline. You see Mickey up close a couple of times as the camera pans by or in the background when the long shot is established, including in the finale when the end credits are about to roll and the camera goes up into the air. You can see Mickey there standing around. Uh, I would say it would have probably been good for him because he's at an outside location. He's not inside a studio, so you're outside. The weather looked good, looked windy, but uh, usually is on the coast. He smokes. He's wearing army fatigues, of course, a uniform. His hair is messy, but nicely cropped. Now, when I say it's messy, but nicely cropped, there's the wind factor again. He actually looks really quite youthful, and so he should in 1979, I guess. But uh, he still is signature Mickey, especially if you glimpse that smile. You know it's him. Now, with only one role before this one, he followed 1941 with uh, some television movie of the week projects. None of them that I've seen as yet. Act of Love. Alongside Ron Howard, City in Fear, alongside Perry King, and the Rideout case with the one and only Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton. And of course, Notorious Heaven's Gate. Now, that was not a uh, TV movie of the week project. Heaven's Gate was, ironically, another massive box office disaster, just like 1941. And Mickey had a larger role, which uh, I will discuss in a future episode of Mickey Rock Talk. I actually don't mind Heaven's Gate, and there are different versions of that movie out there too. Give me the longest version of Heaven's Gate you can find. That's the one. That is the one for me. I actually don't mind the movie. But again, I'll talk about it in a future episode of Mickey Rock Talk. So off the top of my head though... Here are some things I wanted to mention about 1941. Eddie Deason and, ha- and Murray Hamilton. I was getting all happy. And instead of saying Hamilton, I was going to say Murray Happy. Happyton. But Murray Hamilton, of course, he played Mayor of Amity in Jaws. Eddie Deason, well, he's got this distinct voice, as does Murray, actually. I love listening to Murray's voice. Uh, Eddie Deason from the Whoopi Boys. Lots of other things, but I love him in the Whoopi Boys. They are both on a Ferris wheel, trapped together. You'll s- just how they get there is just, re- you know, really 
ridiculous, but uh, I don't want to keep using that word. There's also a dummy sitting with the pair, a ventriloquist dummy, and the dummy talks. So these three provide a few genuine laughs, I will say. And the Ferris wheel is located in Santa Monica Boulevard. I do believe that uh, that is where they filmed The Lost Boys. And it's referenced in the Jordan Peele movie, Us, which I enjoy a lot, actually. Not not enough people talk about Us. There's a dinosaur park and fossil site featured in 1941 briefly, uh, long before Spielberg did his own Jurassic Park, of course. But there you go, there's a bit of significance of the Jurassic kind. Dick Miller pops up. That was a surprise. He just pops up out of the blue. But in the credits, he's listed as Richard Miller. Mm. The opening scene, well, that's a Jaws ripoff. And it's quite amusing using the same swimmer, actually. And using the same famous Jaws theme by John Williams. And John Williams does the score of 1941. And I like the music in this. That's one of the better aspects about 1941. There is a uh, regretful scene that has an African-American actor in whiteface and a white actor in blackface, both joking with each other, then going crazy when they realise what each other has on, on them, on their face. Flower and I think grease is the cause for the black and white. It is not that offensive, I guess, but it did surprise me nonetheless, and it could have done without it. Uh, For musical fans, though, get excited because there is a dance number. Long before Spielberg did West Slide Story, here we go. There is a dance number here in Swing Scene. It kind of reminded me of the Channing Tatum... Tatum, Whoa, I'm getting my words mixed up. uh, The Channing Tatum cameo in Hail Caesar, the movie from 2016 that uh, I thought was a pretty good film. Talking about good films, the 1974 original Texas Chainsaw Massacre has non-stop screaming all throughout that movie is non-stop screaming and so, it, you know, deservedly so because there's someone running around with a big chainsaw after you. But 1941 rivals it for volume and that's saying something. Also, some off-the-charts things that uh, are said in this documentary. Now, the documentary of the making of the film is included on the special edition DVD. It's also available to watch on YouTube. And I reckon probably you could get away with watching the making of first and then watch the movie. It would probably make it a bit more interesting. But things that were said in this documentary that stood out for me were Spielberg. He apparently wanted to break things. That was his MO. They had a million feet of exposed film to edit. A million feet of film. Yeah, real film. This wasn't on digital. And the premiere, I don't know why this stood out for me. I really don't. But the premiere was held at the Medallion Theatre in Texas, 
That's where they had the uh, the big red carpet premiere. Maybe just to show people the movie, get reactions. I know what the reactions would have been. I'm not so sure it would have been this. I actually think it probably would have been this. Okay, so here's Steven Spielberg. Uh, a little bit from Steven uh, during this documentary that I recommend you watch. This is what he had to say. A little bit of it anyway. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It goes for about an hour. You know, it's been so long ago, and, and the, <clears throat> the experience has been colored by many, many different layers of of uh, how difficult it was to make the film and then how disappointing it was to release the film and have no one in America really enjoyed except people as crazy as Bob, Bob and myself and John Milius. You know, it's a, it's a very nice, small, you know, insane group that appreciates 1941. Of course, the Europeans love it and, and I tend to, you know, to go over there to really hear what that film meant to them more than it meant to um, uh, Americans. It, it meant a lot to some Americans, but mainly the film was sort of dismissed as a picture that, you know, was the inevitable conclusion of two great hits for me. It was inevitable that I would make a film that wasn't such a big hit, and I never looked on the analysis that way. A lot of the analysis actually faulted the film for being too chaotic and too noisy, and in fact, I think looking back on the movie, one of the most enjoyable things about the film for me is that the film is pretty much no different than playing Doom 2. Or, or, you know, on, on your computer today. It, it, is, it, it really is a, uh, a blast in the face of imagery and sound and crazy people and over-the-top performances and, you know, you know, you know, you know a clash of cultures and ideals and, and, and revisionist history. So the, 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 the whole film sort of is, I think, was way ahead of its time coming out in 1979. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a blast in the face. That's a little bit rude because that has a couple of uh, meanings. And, well, I don't know, comparing the movie to Doom 2? Now, I'm no gamer at all, but uh, I don't know about video games and uh, comparing it to 1941, that's a little bit uh, out there if you ask me. I do highly recommend that making of documentary. Uh, check it out on YouTube or if you have the DVD special edition such as I have, uh, watch it on that because there's a few other extras as well and I uh, think that it is intriguing the more you delve into the mysteries and the obnoxious style they all thought was funny of 1941. Now to finish off uh, this Mickey Rock talk episode which we haven't done a lot of Mickey Rourke talking due to his small role, but alongside Mickey in this movie appears an amazing cast. And when I say amazing, I mean just great performers. And I'm not going to go through everything they've been in. I'll nominate a couple that I like maybe, but uh, here we go. John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd are in this movie. John Belushi as a cigar-chomping pilot, He's all over the place. Love it. Love it. He's probably my favourite character in the film. He's so unhinged. He was also probably allowed to do whatever he wanted to do. Dan Aykroyd, he plays Sergeant Frank Tree. Not a good name. 
the Blues Brothers, they actually reunite, reunite really briefly in the movie and in the long version. I don't think they re- reunite in the short version. I was watching for it and it didn't pop up unless I was, you know, blinking or something. But, yeah, look fast because the Blues Brothers, they do reunite briefly and it's amazing. They also starred together, you know, in Neighbours. Uh, I'm sure that diehard fans will know this, but uh, 1981 film Neighbours uh, is another crazy, mad comedy, but uh, a good one as opposed to 1941. When I say good, it's uh, critic proof, put it that way. Who else is in this movie? Let's uh, let's go. Lorraine Gary of Jaws 1, 2 and 4. Yeah, she falls in love with Michael Caine. Christopher Lee. Wow, what a legend. Gremlins 2 and the original Wicker Man, among others. Many, many others. Warren Oates. Now, I like Warren Oates. Always have. He's in Stripes from 1981, which also stars John Candy. And he, as I'll mention in just a few moments, appears in 1941. The Wild Bunch was another Warren Oates movie that stuck with me. Wasn't around when it was released in 1969, but it is a Sam Peckinpah classic. The Wild Bunch. Robert Stack. Yeah, I like Robert Stack. He played Elliot Ness in the original Untouchables. He was also in Plain Clothes, one of my favourite comedies of 1987, and Uncommon Valor. Robert Stack was impressive in that, but his whole career was impressive. Great actor. Nancy Allen, Robocop, of course, Dressed to Kill. When I think of Nancy Allen, I think of Dressed to Kill and Robocop. And in 1998, a small role in Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez and Michael Keaton, actually. He has a bit of a cameo in that. Treat Williams, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Uh, Look, that's one movie I've just plucked out of nowhere. 1995 gangster drama, things to do in Denver when you're dead. But Treat Williams, he's still going strong. Love the guy. John Candy. Yeah, John Candy's in this. He always puts a smile on my face. Armed and Dangerous. That's the John Candy movie I want to recommend to you. He stars with Meg Ryan and Eugene Levy. John Cowfer. Small role from Don Calfer in 1941. You'll remember him from that absolute classic. Comedy capers galore in Weekend at Bernie's. Michael McKean's in this. Well, Michael McKean, what an actor. This is Spinal Tap. Slim Pickens. Not a big fan of Slim Pickens, actually. He's all right in this one. Has his moments. He's also in Dr. Strangelove. Toshiro Mifune. Oh, what a Japanese legend that man is. Think of the Seven Samurai or Red Sun. Yeah. Uh, Tim Matheson. He's in this. Early role for him, but it was after Animal House, but before Fletch. Uncredited cameos from Penny Marshall, James Kahn, John Landis. They're in this. So, yeah. There's a lot of things happening in this movie, 1941. Do you want to watch it? Well, that's up to you. If you're a Mickey Rourke completist, like I am, you will want to see it. You'll want to see what he does in it. 
You might even be able to see his clips online. I'm not sure. However, I do suggest if you're a movie fan, watch the whole movie. Maybe have a few drinks while you watch it. 1979 was a massive year. A massive year. No wonder this movie flopped. Think of all the other movies that were around in 1979. Do you want a bit of a hint? Okay. Being there. Being there is just flawless. And also one of Johnny Knoxville's favourite movies. He said that to me on the red carpet for Bad Grandpa in Sydney. Moonraker. Now that is an underrated, okay, James Bond movie. The Muppet movie. Love at First Bite. Roller Boogie with Linda Blair. Tilt. A pinball movie with Brooke Shields. The Odd Angry Shot. Great Australian film. Speaking of great Australian films, Mad Max was 1979. Alien, 1979. The Warriors. Caligula. Apocalypse Now. Love and Bullets. With Rod Steiger and Charles Bronson. Meteor. John Connery. Science fiction oddity. Where he's uh, trying to prevent a big meteor, of course. Did you get that? From hitting the earth. And North Dallas 40, with Nick Nolte, the one and only, was also released in 1979. So 1941 had a lot to compete with. That's it. I have milked 1941 the best I possibly could. Thank you very much for listening to Mickey Rock Talk. I really enjoy your company. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host. You can find me online, I guess. Try the social media side of things at movie underscore analyst if you've got a question email me write me a letter shane adam bassett at gmail.com but until next time and there will be a next time i've got some very good mickey rock films lined up long live mickey rock take it easy everyone bye for now